Hello and welcome to What Moves Us, the podcast where we ask what moves us or more accurately what's going to move us in future. With the Rail Innovation Group's Johanna Randall and Liam Henderson we look at debates, themes and decisions of the minutes that will impact on the way we get about in the future. Hello Johanna, come in Scotland, how are you? <laughs> Scotland calling, Scotland calling. <laughs> this is the first podcast since I moved to Scotland, isn't it? Yeah, I know. I'm surprised that I'm surprised that the Zoom call is working fine. Can you hear me properly? <laughs> it's London that's got the problems, not Scotland. Remember, oh, it's, it's everyone down south that's panicking about fuel, not Scotland. Uh, I'm we're sure we'll get up there. Sense, we're far soon. too sensible up here. Well, I'm very sensible because I recycle a bike. Um, so no problems for me. Right, it is Wednesday, the 27th of September. Um, in a minute, we're going to talk to our special guest, um, Johan, from, where is he from? Malmö. Sweden, Sweden. Malmö, Malmö, Sweden. Yes. Just, near, just near the bridge. We didn't ask. I, I meant to ask, is the bridge open? Um, I don't know. I'll ask him in a minute when we talk to him. Who are you meant to ask, me or? No, I've, I forgot. To, I, I meant to see if the bridge was open because last time I looked, the bridge wasn't open. And Malmo oh, is obviously next oh, to the bridge, what? isn't was it? it? The closed? rail bridge. It was closed, was it closed between closed Denmark COVID? and Sweden because of COVID. You could, only, oh. you could only travel between Denmark and Sweden if you were a resident of either country. But not on the bridge. But not on the bridge. Seems rather odd. Oh, well. I've been doing lots of travel rec travels recently on the train. So I went down to uh, Milan and then across to Venice and then back up on the sleeper train home. How was, how was Italy? Uh, Italy was very nice. Took lots of trains over there. Um, very restricted capacity on board. So there were two of us and we could only sit diagonally opposite each other at a table. So in effect, it was one half capacity per carriage you weren't allowed to go to the um, buffet car you had to sit in your seat um so yes very restricted obviously did they, have, face out, coverings. Did they have out seat service no so you not domestically to, no no so you had to take whatever lunch and refreshments and things on board with you correct um but on the train from paris to milan there was at seat service but once you went over the border into Italy, you weren't allowed to go to the buffet car anymore. You had to stay in your seat. See, because that's in the <laughs> way restrictions and people have, and different organisations and transport providers have different interpretations on rules and the way things apply. Because I think the majority of UK operators have now um, removed restrictions. Yeah. Um, people sit next to each other that are strangers. I mean, that's, I think that's interesting sort of like, because I think that feels really weird having strangers sit next to you on a train when we haven't done that for such a long time. Yes. Um, you can go to the buffet on most operators now. Can you go on the sleeper train? Uh, no, no, you're not allowed on. Mind you, I've not. I've only done the sleeper once, and uh, and I've been to London since. But I've travelled on the LNER service, um, which from Pitlockry is pretty good. Well, I've done a mixture of Scotrail and Pitlock and LNER, and both services are pretty good. 
if you don't travel on Sundays. So have you got a favourite method of getting from Scotland to your old well, haunt in the south yet? I haven't tried them all yet. Right. So I almost looked at flying in a couple of weeks' time, but I <laughs> but I went against flying because I, I worked out that you can you can get to London and back from Scotland by flying in a day. Yeah. Um, because I'm delivering a workshop in a couple of weeks' time in London. And in an in-person workshop, my first workshop in AC that's in person that isn't virtual. You're throwing biscuits if you're running a workshop. <laughs> I probably will bring biscuits. So I have to <laughs> so I have to remember to pack up my my workshop pack of post-its and things. Yeah. But I think yes. it's a lot of I think a lot of it is I'm just finding my way, still finding my way in Scotland, finding my way, the best way to travel on business when I need to do things. So it's a very unfamiliar journey and i think that's that's quite interesting for when we think about transport planning is because 18 months ago we all had a a routine a day-to-day routine that everybody's got out of and we don't have and you also and you didn't need to look at the train times because you just knew them in your head yeah yeah (laughs) well do i pretty much know them in my head here now because because there aren't that many of them (laughs) (laughs) yes different when you were coming from brighton yeah, turn up and go from Brighton. There's yes. my challenge. Turn up and go from Pitlockry. And then it would become a bubbling metropolis. Almost I was only talking to somebody. I was only talking to, to somebody locally yesterday. Said that if there was if there was a better train service, which I think is interesting when you think you know, of um the um the pressures at the moment given that people aren't traveling, is that Pitlockry would be commutable. Which to it probably where? would be to um to lots of places to you know whether it be perth sterling glasgow edinburgh because if i was to guess it if i was to say want to be in edinburgh for nine o'clock yeah i would drive all right because the train doesn't get there i don't think till 10 o'clock i think i can drive to perth and get a train for to to edinburgh for for nine o'clock but i can't get one direct from pitlockry right i don't know where the bus um gets there for nine o'clock because i've tried the buses the buses were very good megabus the m90 <laughs> megabus <laughs> well, and and they have an upstairs so you get to get get good views you are having the best time up there aren't you <laughs> right let's talk about let's... the world of rail so oh question now you're in scotland so september we've got cop in uh five weeks time is there anything that is happening up there that we don't know about in England? Um, I'm not aware of it being presented as anything particularly Scottish. There is, I know there is lots of activity going on in terms of policy yeah. and Scotland's contribution to climate change. But um, I think probably to say that um, we have about as much awareness of what is happening as the rest of the UK is probably quite clear because... I don't think anybody really knows what's happening, do they? No. Um, and we've been trying to, as the Renovation Group, engage with people across the industry. And still a lot of uncertainty as to what's happening with regard to the key messaging and other items. Maybe we'll um, be surprised. Maybe we'll be surprised after party conferences. The Labour Party conference today. Um, there is that. Next week. It might but be I'm... that there's more of an agenda coming after that so anyway it's september 
people have been uh, unrestricted generally with COVID since July. And I see that we're now up to 65% of rail demand has returned. Well, we're at 65% of pre-COVID demand. So it's stabilized about 65%. And I wonder what's going to be the push to get it a bit higher. Um, we shall see. Maybe the fact that no one can get petrol, they'll all be back on the trains. <laughs> Well, anecdotally, I have seen that um, I think um, they said that um, passenger numbers were up about 7% yesterday, but that's yet to be, con um, we'll have to wait till next week to hear whether that actually feeds through into the Department for Transport figures. Maybe that, maybe once people have done it once, because obviously we had our webinar today on the yeah. personas, and we talked a bit about confidence and the way people are feeling and when you think about nudge fear and that it, it takes what six weeks for people to get out of the habit of something so yeah. we've had 18 months of getting out of the habit of something maybe once people start dipping their toe back in the water they might feel more confident about doing it because it's not just about the lack of commuting or the fact that we're we're traveling more you know we're traveling less and we want more flexible working and that there will be a certain amount of people that um, just you know don't feel confident getting back on public transport. True. If you want an optimistic message, though, the the other thing is that if gas prices are going to be so high this winter and heating is going to be so expensive, everyone's going to want to go to the office for free heating. <laughs> so there is. So in, in in some of our shortages and things, there there will be some upsides. <laughs> we'll go back to the offices. <laughs> <laughs> heating all that all that down the pub to get the heating <laughs> yes see right uh we should introduce our guests soon shouldn't we we should so they... on a more positive note yes on a positive note we're going to hear from johan uh they've been a member of the rail innovation group now for ooh, a few months it was good good to expand our international footprint um so how are things, obviously we're recording this at the very end of September, how are things in Sweden in regard to transport demand and general feelings about recovery? Yes, uh, speaking about the recoveries, you know, Sweden has had it all, its own way through the pandemic. I, I think yeah. that has reached uh, uh, throughout the world. Um, so we've, we've been more or less restricted all the time. And that's, that means uh, the change isn't that big now right. we're still a little bit restricted but but life goes on uh pretty much um uh, anyway and is is transport demand unaffected it's uh it's it's pretty much back to normal i would say uh peak hours are spread out uh, you you won't have the real crowd but but people are definitely back right Cool. So, so obviously, oh, sorry, Johanna. So no, I was just, I was just curious before, before we moved on to the detail, um, because um, in fact, you said that to peak demand is, is pretty much there. So, so during the, the pandemic, because you say, you know, everybody knew about the Swedish model, which was not to, to lock down, to just have restrictions and that. Mm. So did people continue to go into the office throughout the whole period then? Uh, People would would um, the the ones who could um, refrain from going to the office uh, all the time. Maybe just go in for a meeting. Maybe just go in a couple of days a week, but not totally. Um, and and uh, yeah, that, that was the whole scale, I think. But but we haven't had any any real lockdown, and um, 
many people have have continued to work like before. So it's really been about more personal responsibility on the it's individual ra rather than yeah. the government imposing yeah. against yeah. our will. Exactly. Oh, that's, that's, that's great. Yeah, and it, cool. it has worked pretty pretty much okay. You know, our healthcare situation has also been loaded, but not yeah. not more than anywhere else. But you haven't had any more cases or anything you know, than anywhere else. So no. so your 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 health um, advisor, your chief scientific advisor was right that we still had a long way to go on it and we'll see who's right at the end of it. And yeah. For, yeah. for Sweden, it works. And you could say that the Swedish model is kind of social distant from, from the start. So we, we're not too close to each other in, in the public. <laughs> <situation anyway. laughs> Didn't have to do That's much distancing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, Johan, we've spoken uh, a couple of times over the last, uh, over this summer actually, so mm. though I already know about your company and we all have already had an introduction, could you give us just a quick introduction? Yes, so based in Sweden, uh, we make public placemaking for, for interiors, so we work with public places like railway stations, but also airport interiors and shopping malls, also some healthcare and some schools. Um, but really where there is uh, a lot of people, a lot of wear, and a lot of use for having a nice place. So really the, our key thing is to provide uh, that nice place in a box, if you want, uh, architecture in a box, furniture that can bring that nice feeling along, and that can also withstand the wear and tear of a public place, and that can be flexible enough to, uh, to change over time. To, to be modular enough to introduce nice dividing planters as social distancing, for example, during these times. So going back to the, obviously the restricted period over the 18 months, have you found it easier or more difficult to engage with international clients because they've mostly been at home and happy to do Zoom calls? Mm -hmm. it's, been, it's been both ways. It's been easier to reach out um, far away. I mean, I, I've been lecturing in India. Uh, I've been, <laughs> but from home, you know. Um, yeah. yeah uh, I, we've, we've attended a lot of conferences that have been digital that we couldn't have attended any, otherwise. And, and you know, uh, do, being in one part of the, of the world in the morning and then in another in the afternoon is quite an amazing feeling. Um, and you can have so much more interaction with people because people have been there anyway, even though they have been working from home. Um, I. I think that, uh, especially in the rail sector, uh, people have worked anyway. So, yeah. so you, could, you, you could still reach people uh, and you could still plan for the future. And, and by the rail, it's still, yes, it has lost a lot of, uh, a lot of, um, of travelers and that way a lot of money coming in. But there is still, well, some kind of government funding in the in the in the base there is still a, a more solid and a more long-term financing than you would have for example by by a shopping mall or or by an airport so so by airports has been much more difficult they have closed down in a in another way and and you haven't been able to reach people because they haven't worked um yeah. but i think uh, here it's it's been kind of good anyway then of course it's been more difficult to have decisions made. Right. So, and, and, and that's not because people aren't there and, and not because they aren't gathering, but, but, but more that there is the uncertainty of what's going to come. Um, so, so at what point are we to invest in a better place? 
well, obviously, first you need to, to take care of the the absolute uh, security measures and and uh, new regulations and things like that. Um, but then, on the good side for us, then on a recovery, uh, you need to transfer a feeling of safety. Um, and in that, the biophilic design, the natural materials, natural shapes, and and all that we do to to make well-being also provides a feeling of safety. So, so entering the station, when you have uh, been through that journey and, and uh, lifted your station for recovery, it's a whole other experience. Uh, and that it's, it's really a key part of, of coming back and, and having a first good um, uh, well, acquaintance with, uh, with traveling again. And the, yeah, new, so yeah, yeah, the new traveling situation, I think will will slow down a little bit. Time will be less critical as you you will not be traveling in peak hours in the same way. Uh, you will be traveling more for leisure. Uh, you'll be traveling more for the experience. And, and that whole journey will be part of your of your daily life and an efficient and enjoyable life. I think that the the the, the share of being able to use the traveling time yeah. to have a good time together with friends on a, on a leisure travel or to work when you go to work because you don't have to stand up in the metro but you can sit down and actually have a place and, and open your laptop um that's that's um it, it's it's making traveling more useful again so i think i mean i there's some really interesting um elements that you mentioned there um and I'm really interested in exploring that whole um, element of placemaking because um, people in the UK um, will will know your company mainly for those wonderful seats that have been turning up in in all the the major stations with with network rail because just by using a different material that that lovely wood and the fact that it curves around design and it works with the environment creates that different place it it feels more welcoming because it's not a cold a cold metal bench anymore and Mm. and that but um what um in terms of you know contributing to that whole you know because when you say about you know the design of safety and things you know um that are less time critical it's more it's more about talking about things that that um that are about the experience that kind of make you feel comfortable that give you that warm hug and make you feel that experience what other Hmm. elements do you work with to to create that experience and give that sense of well-being for people yeah i i think that nature is really important in this, uh, and and we call that biophilic design, uh, working with design. So using the elements of nature with the natural materials, the softness, the variation, the texture, um, the echo absorbing, um, the variation of different places, uh, the the meandering shapes instead of straight lines, uh, curvatures, softness, and and uh, and real greenery, uh, plants. Um, and, and all this, it has really proven a, an amazing effect. I'm, I'm astonished by the what we have seen when Network Rail measured satisfaction rates. This was before pandemic, uh, right before, but but um, replacing, as you say, Joanna, the, the the metal seat that was there before, straight lines, just the pure function of of a seat um, with something more enjoyable, actually moved the satisfaction rates from around 30 to around 80% of, of waiting areas. And just 
just by changing what you sit on. Um, yeah. And, and of course, it's not then just replacing one seat with another. It's replacing seats with something architectural that actually does something to the environment. But but I was astonished also to, to see those numbers. And, and moving on, I actually see now just with coming back for real after the the, the summer here, uh, uh, a request for plants for actual plants. So this is the real greenery yeah. and the real the real world living uh, biophilic design, uh, and I think that sort of represents an understanding of the power of biophilic design, the power of nature in stations. Uh, that yes, living plants is a little bit of a hassle. You need to take care of them. Some will die. You need to replace those. You have to water them um, and all that. Um, but you're willing as a station to take that because it gives you so much. It gives the traveler so much. So, so I think that's uh, it sort of approves an understanding of, of the, the values of passenger satisfaction and of how you can create it with natural biophilic design. So, so I'm, I'm really happy about that. And looking forward to uh, to to all these places transforming in uh, with a passenger focus, um, and I think that yeah, it reflects the, your ministry's yeah. uh, um, uh, intentions to to put passenger first. Can I ask you a question then? Because I obviously used to do a lot of planning around stations, and it was always a complaint of people that about metal seats, particularly in winter because they were so cold mm. when you sat on them. Did it not? How is it that did it not occur to anyone to put biophilic design in until you said it? Or how is it that now it's it seems the, the obvious thing to do right now? Yeah, um, there has been traditionally there has been wooden seating at least, and there has been if you look now more than 50 years back, if you look, you look the beginning of last century. Um, sorry, my, my phone. Um, so uh, uh, there was, stations were really made to, to uh, give that enjoyable experience. And the seating was from wood. Um, maybe it wasn't so winding and soft, but it was well made and, and, and durable. Um, uh, so, so there is a tradition of wood anyway then what well, i think what what happened is uh traveling on went up and and we also uh, uh saw a, a a greater focus on efficiency so as as focus moved from from uh, uh getting those passengers on the journey and and getting them uh, engaged and and enjoy the journey it moved to move as many passengers as possible. Yeah. And, and with that focus and the efficiency focus, uh, the reasoning was, okay, let's, let's use metal because now nobody can break it uh, and we don't yeah. have to maintain it. And mm -hmm. only when you have metal, it's, it's usually painted anyway. You, you, it, it is usually not just stainless steel and that paint will also be scratched. Uh, it doesn't break. The function is still there, but it looks sad. Um, <laughs> you can't do much about it, right? So, so not only is it cold and hard and straight, but it's also deteriorating, also deteriorating all the time. So, so 
you didn't really reach that efficiency thing. Yeah. So what we have found, and I think that's sort of a key to being able to do something bio, biophilic, is a way, of, uh, it's a design where you easily can maintain. So you can, you're able to keep that softer material in good shape over time, as long as you want, with very, very easy measures. So that has been key to being able to introduce it. And now you can do that. Uh, you can also see the difference. And wow, that's, it's obvious. It's then an obvious thing to do. Yeah. So when someone does commission you, you just mentioned about metal seats being straight. When someone does commission the company, do you, do you sort of go and audit a station along with the operator? And they're like, oh, we can put a seat there. Oh, there's a bend there. We can put something there. Or do they, mm -hmm. do you, do you do like an auditing uh, process for them? Or do they say, I want a seat here, 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 here. I would say it's a combination of, of those. So, but as our design can turn as you want, it can turn around pillars, it, it can get the size of a pillar, it can go into every corner, it can sort of fit everywhere. We can put more, much more, we can use much more of the space than they could before. Uh, meaning that, that we need to to show the possibilities and discuss this together with the facility manager or the station manager um, to, uh, to introduce the possibilities where there is, um, where it doesn't go, go against the flow. And, and instead, we'll sort of direct the flow and, 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 and use the curvatures of the seating to, to uh, push people and the flow in one or the other direction. Uh, more against the retail on the right side or more sort of leading the way in a smooth smooth pattern. So uh, we work with the, the station manager just to assess the place and then we propose based on our experience from before what can be done. And by Victoria, for example, on the Victoria, uh, there was like 150 seats before and we put in over 400. Um, and that is still without affecting the flow. Um, uh, just Pretty impressive. using, yeah, you know, just using it in a better way, um, going with the flow. I guess that's the beauty of the product, though, because it's a flexible product. Mm. It's not, it's not limited because presumably with a with a metal seat, you know, you get it in a size, it's fixed, it has to go, it has to go in that place. Whereas everything you're doing is bespoke and it's working with the environment. So it's not mm. only just about the seat, but as, as you were saying, it's all, it is also about, you know, how it works, that environment, how, how it aids that flow. So actually you can change the flow if you want to speed up and slow movement through, through the environment as well, presumably. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And, and really, I think that going with retail, that speed thing is also essential. So on some areas, you really want people to move on. But uh, when, you have, when you have more space and there is retail, retail around, it's good if they sort of slow down, slow their pace a little bit, relax a little bit, keep moving. But, but uh, you know, that oh, this is a nice place looking around and, and, uh, and seeing that, oh, that's good coffee over there. And, well, I'm a little bit hungry. And, and sort of you, you get... Uh, you touch people's feelings, you slow down the pattern, make them relax, and, and that's then the, the retail business. So you mentioned that you're um, obviously lecturing in India, which is pretty impressive in itself. Do you get the sense from your engagement that all operators in all different countries and cultures want passengers to embrace with their space in the same way? There are much similarities, really. 
very much. I had on this lecture, uh, or one of the lectures in India, uh, I actually was in a, in a panel debate with the development manager of Rail India. Um, and uh, it's much the same, even though they come from a state that, that is, well, it's, they come from somewhere else, but yeah. they're going the same direction. Uh, they are also introducing Shinkansen trains uh, produced in India on a, on a Japanese license. Um, they, they're also on a journey to, to introduce rail to all their inhabitants, not only the poor. Um, and, and, and this is, it's, a, it's a really a big transformation. And you can see it even more in Indian airports that they are state of the art, really. And, and it's an international arena. Um, and, and like that, stations are also um, becoming more and more similar thinking, I, I believe. And they are also, you can see in all parts of the world, there is an increased demand for retail and, and food and beverage, for example. Uh, there, in all parts of the world, there has been some kind of vandalism. Well, maybe not Singapore and Japan, but, but, <laughs> but the rest. Uh, and, and that is something that you can help um, by making it, it a nicer place, making places, making it a place where people actually spend time instead of just running through. Uh, so it's not an empty echoing space. It helps. Um, and this is sort of valid all over the place. Um, so, so yes, I think there are much, much more similarities than we think. Every country will tend to say, well, our people are, are the most destroying. Every country will say that. <laughs> uh, I, I think it's interesting that you mentioned vandalism there because um, because we've already mentioned metal seats, you know, that they're popular because they're utilitarian. And they don't um, they, they don't get vandalized in the same way. Is that because they're tough and everything? Do you find that when people enjoy something that they actually take care of it more? Does, does vandalism yeah. actually go up because because it's a nicer experience? Yes, it's amazing. I, I, I would I, I would have guessed that yes, there is a, this kind of factor, but but it's amazing how we we have really addressed. I, I usually when I come into a new a new geography, a new place, I usually ask them to bring on the the worst case that you have. So show me the station where you have the most problems, uh, uh, because you can really turn those places into nice places and making people proud of them as their place. Uh, if you make something for them and you make it enjoyable and you keep it in, in good, that's important. You keep it in good shape. So, so you need to have a scheme where if there is a scratch, it should be removed. If there is something broken, it should be fixed right, right away. So that should be easy. That should be a spare part at the station. It should be easy to change. Um, and, uh, and there should be some kind of maintenance scheme uh, to have it in a nice, nice shape but but that is so much less expensive than to fix vandalism so yeah. the, the, the actual cost is lower and, and and yet you have a nice place all the time so that's really powerful yeah. to, to give you an example we have you know we have made i think 23 kilometers of seating uh over over nine years time uh and and there is a possibility of changing ribs really easily if there is something damaged it can be changed we've changed like 200 ribs so that's, that's 0 0.01 so how, per minute i could say how many kilometers yeah. is that <laughs> yeah so you know so 200 ribs is like so it's, it's like a really 20, sustainable it's like product 20, yeah it's like 20 meters um, 
on, uh, on the 25 kilometers 23 uh, kilometers. and i think you know, sort of like talking about sustainability because you know in in terms of you know the design and that um but um do you do you think that um your concept came along at the right time as we you know not just in terms of the the pandemic but um with with us all thinking more about you know the climate and greenery and how we can be more sustainable is would you say that's you know that your product on your design concept has had a moment and that's what everybody's tapping into yeah i think we may even have been a little bit early so so five nine years ago when when we uh, when we started off the the sustainability demand well it it was a nice thing to have but nobody really act, uh, asked for it and and biophilic design yes that has more or less i would say it's booming now so so uh, we were a little bit early but but i think we we may have contributed uh, to uh, to opening people's eyes uh, here, both on a sustainability part and, and on a biophilic part, I hope so. We, we're quite visible in the world, actually. Uh, um, so, so, so I hope I hope we've had some impact. And leading, and, that's because they're leading the market. Yeah, I hope so. I, I really, yes, I think a little bit. And and our going back to that sustainability part and and our mission as a company. That's not something we talk a lot about, but but really, why I started this, why the name is Green Furniture was that that i i was disappointed on the first design that i made 15 years ago and and how smelly it became how the the production of it even though here in 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 sweden and and under swedish regulations that i thought were good um it, it was bad for the environment and and i decided to well i'm not going to destroy this planet and, and i pulled the brake and, and uh, thought about well how can i do this in a green way uh, and how could I really show the world how you could do that? So, so, so the ambition with green furniture is to show the furniture industry really how you do it sustainably, uh, as visible as possible. So, with the public places, as you know, the great stations and and airports, very, very visible to to the world. Um, and also on a sustainability plan, we we share all that knowledge. It's not comp it's not competitive. Uh, knowledge. We we sh I lecture to other furniture companies on on sustainability, just because I want to bring the bring them along on that journey. Then we have our, our design is different, but but uh, the the design principles of sustainability, I want to share. Okay. So I think. Um, I, no, go on then. Sorry. Well, we're, we're both really eager with questions. You go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just I was just thinking it was it was. I, I was just thinking interesting um, because we talk a lot about you know sustainability, green and that, but I find it interesting that you're sharing your knowledge um, and that um, you're not making it a secret what what you do. And mm. I think as a concept that's um, really enlightening and refreshing. Um, so I was wondering why, you know, what's the motivation behind do, doing that? Because quite often, you know, if you're a startup or you're a company and that you want to keep everything yourself, you want to be, you know, you, you want to be having the commercial success. So what's your motivation behind, you know, sharing that knowledge? Yeah. It really makes it worth going to work. That's, that's, uh, it makes it worth worthwhile. And I think we've also growing, we've recruited people that like the green. It's so it's sort of obvious that we that's something we're going for, and and our whole green team, um, this is why they go to work. So so this is something we have to do. 
it's just feels right <laughs> and you, and uh, you think that's I a think... very modern way of doing things you know that um, yeah. you know that whole co-creation you know piece you know and sharing knowledge and yeah. that and that's how we'll solve solve the problems that we're in yeah, and it, we have to do something about it I mean, we have to save the planet <laughs> together so so let's let's go for that and and we can compete in other ways uh, i think that's um yeah uh, yeah it's a good uh, message yeah, um, I just have a few last questions, if that's okay. Um, when you talked about uh, this sharing knowledge and saving the planet, is that one of your stated business ambitions? I'm just curious, is, what's the target for the business? Is it like kilometers of seats rolled out? Is it like countries you're in, number of stations, how many trees you save? Mm -hmm. what's, what's the target for you now? It it is really some kind of planet impact. Uh, and, and I think you could, you could have that on, on several, in several fields. There is a sustainability part of that, and that's the obvious, well, sustainability and, 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 uh, and planet green way. Um, so yes, I want to make a change to the planet, and we want, as a company, to make a change to the planet. Uh, what I've also seen working, I didn't think about that uh, in, in the start, it actually makes a difference to the travelers. It, it makes a difference to the daily life of people. I didn't think of that when start, starting here, but but we're part of very many people's daily life and making that little space or, or journey more enjoyable. Uh, and I think that's kind of a nice feeling too, and uh, and uh, to, to contribute to. Um, and then, yes, there is a volume part of this as a company. Uh, so obviously, we want to to be successful as a company, uh, and and that has yes, there is some kind of ego in in that for me. Uh, being a designer and spreading that over the world, it's uh, seeing it, it's it's very nice, uh, of course. But but also gaining size uh, and and visibility, we will have even more. Uh, impact and breakthrough on on the on the other business on on the uh, on businesses around on the furniture business uh, on stations uh, and and bringing them along on that furniture train and and uh, on that enjoyable uh, and, and sustainable uh, journey um, and and uh, uh, I really I really enjoy uh, when I hear I've heard a little bit from our competition that they see us as successful and sustainable so if if they see it, then that that is the factor that will make them follow in the sustainability path so so we need to be successful we need to be to have a, a size and to be visible and then we can really have even more uh sustainable impact as the others go along so that's a it's a long path but i i i think we're we're down that path a little bit uh, and, and that feels nice that's that's my my own uh motivation really nice messages then last question for me is do you have any of this furniture in your house i do yes and when I, <laughs> <laughs> but you know we don't make home private furniture uh anymore but you have for yourself uh, have you? It's, yeah it started off there but we've had a lot of a lot of prototypes and a lot of uh uh, uh models that we actually don't produce anymore and i have them all in my house yes <laughs> <laughs> comfy place to watch television <laughs> yeah i always feel that should be the last question but i actually <laughs> want to say what what's next 
in, in, in your journey, you know, sort of like, um, you know, I mean, in, in terms of the design and, you know, and the way we experience it and, and growing that well-being, you know, what is, what is yes. next, the green concept? Yes, the, the, the next thing, we are already on, on the furniture that we roll out in the stations, uh, they are climate positive already. The next thing is to be world positive. So that's really, that's a big thing, right? But the world should be better off with us than without us. So, so we should have no or a positive impact on, on, on the world, not only the climate, but, but you know, on, on chemicals, on, on the material use uh, and all that. I think that is, it's actually possible. It's not at all easy. But I think uh, that should be the goal. So that's where we were heading. Uh, the world should be better off with us than without us. That is a, a wonderful final word. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I had to get it in. <laughs> that was uh, re really, really wonderful speaking to you and to hearing your positive message on to the world. Thank, Great. You. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us, Johan. Thank you to we'll be able soon. to uh, be here. Yeah. Bye. So thanks for listening to another episode of What Moves Us. We hope we moved you. For more episodes, you'll definitely want to subscribe to our channel. Until next time. <laughs>